Well, if you think about the fear of the unknown, if you're given a musical instrument that you've never played before, or you're given a prompt for a painting or an improv scene, those are unknowns. So how do you transform an unknown into a known? That's Maynul Modal, co-founder and CEO of Ellipsis Help. Ellipsis uses artificial intelligence to identify depression and anxiety through natural speech patterns, and they're committed to solving the unmet needs of mental health for everyone. In this episode, Maynul and I talk about how creative outlets developed his curiosity as a child, democratizing mental health care, and how empathetic listening is fundamental to his mission. I'm Maureen Taylor. This is Think Like a Founder. You know, one of the things we talked about is that you grew up surrounded by the arts, playing music, voice lessons, and you were a very talented person. Give us a little history of that. Um, thankful to my parents and my family. I think they believe in exposure. And I think the more exposure you have, the better we'll be able to understand and appreciate what's around us. And I think that when you're going back to sort of, or thinking about solving a problem, it's all those multi-discipline understandings and learnings you bring to the table to solve the problem most effectively. So I think in my case or in our case, just being around music and arts and all of that taught me a lot about design and color and how to sort of break the problem into sort of different components and coming up new approaches of painting something or creating something. I think that taught me a lot. I'm not sure if I'm talented, but you know, I love solving problems. It goes back to the beginning of technology, but I'm hearing more talk about it from folks either on the phone or interviewing or wherever. The combination of art and technology and how this is the industry that we're blessed to have grown up in is technology, which is so cool, but that there is such a close association. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. If you think about art or fashion, right? I mean, all of these elements are interconnected. And I think art is about creating new emotions, feeling the connectedness. And technology is not just a bunch of code lines, right? It's more than that. In fact, if you don't have the humanness into technology, it's not going to work. Whatever problem you're trying to solve using just technology without really making an effort to understand humanness, there's a blind side. I completely agree. Also, whether it's romantic or real, always have thought that engineers are artists building something. Just what they're using is different than paint or sculpture or because it's an extension of humanness is where it comes from. I've always believed in that principle. My sister and I both, we were painting two to three times a week. We were taking voice lessons five times a week. And I think that, that taught us a lot. Now, were your parents musical or artists? Not at all. Huh. My dad is an entrepreneur and, you know, he was in the textile business. I think South Asia in general is very colorful in so many ways. If you think about spices, if you think about clothing and all that. So I think getting exposure to how things are built, how you sort of solve problems, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in South Asia, where I grew up in Bangladesh, lots of unions, right? How do you communicate and solve human problems as well as the production problems and business problems? So it is very interconnected. So I got exposure to that 
My mom was more on the quant side. So she was with us for, for most of our early years. And then she taught me a lot of the math early on. Manuel's creative outlets as a child inspired his curiosity and approach to problem solving. Well, if you think about the fear of the unknown, if you're given a musical instrument that you've never played before, or you're given a prompt for a painting or an improv scene, those are unknowns. So how do you transform an unknown into a known? That thinking is what drove me to where I'm today. You stop focusing on the unknown and you transform it into a known quantity. Uh, you break apart the problem and solve the problem. It's really cool to have that in your background. Now, I understand you wanted to be a firefighter. I think every kid has some sort of... Um, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Fantasy around doing something that just seems cool. I think at that point, at that point, what really sort of caught me, caught me was, you know, looking at some of the fires we had in the city and you have these really brave folks who would come in without any fear, at least didn't show the fear, go in and they really try to help people. Save lives, bring the situation under control and at the very least, leave a new new space that can be recreated to something. So, so I think for me, it was watching these brave human beings just risking their lives, being very mission-oriented, going in and helping people. You know, you've talked about fear now a couple times. And one of the things that, as a co-founder, that we find from the research that we're doing, there's an empathy there. Not so much that you're not afraid. It's just that it doesn't matter because it's always going on somehow to have something in front of you that's an obstacle. What do you think? I think... If something is thrown or if you are really vested in solving a problem, a problem can be solved. If I think of, in the true sense, an obstacle, I've already put a lot of pressure in my mind thinking it's an obstacle. So what I try to do is think about this problem. Am I really passionate in solving it? Break it apart and find a way to solve it. One of the things that, I mean, the work that you're doing is so cool and trying to show the world that we need to change the way that we think, we talk, and we approach mental illness and mental health. And so what inspired you to start your particular company? I was a Rockefeller Fellow through the Public Health Institute, and that gave me a lot of exposure looking at global problems and there was a lot of flexibility there where I was seeing a lot of global healthcare problems and innovation, but the innovation, even though Silicon Valley is known to be that, were not really happening. There's this inertia and momentum around solving physical health issues. And my philosophy, or our philosophy at that point was, if you don't take up your inner self, your mental health and wellness, it is going to impact your physical health. And the way we've been looking at mental health for the last few decades has been stale. So one third of the global population have symptoms of depression and anxiety. It starts around 14 and it's, you know, it goes all the way end of life. So we want to solve a problem that touches everyone. We want to solve a problem that anyone can afford. It doesn't have to be fancy and deep learning has evolved quite a bit in the last few years. We can understand speech and conversation securely while preserving permission, consent, and privacy. Those are Ellipsis health values. 
then we can help the provider understand how the patient is doing real time. We can help families understand how their loved ones are doing real time. So kind of, I mean, based on your experience being mission-driven, you're democratizing mental health. Absolutely. And we said, all right, you know what? We're going to change the operating system of how we operate day to day. So we all have a look at weather maps. Why can't we have a mental health and wellness map every day? Why not? Because it'll help us operate from that. So if I can start my day looking at that, I can better understand how I should be operating throughout the day. How do I interact? How do I take care of myself? All of that. You will now know, like the weather map, where you are. I wanted to quantify it so you can manage it in an objective way. So you can look at that map where you are for the day, for the week, for the month, not just for yourself, but also if you have kids, if you take care of other, other folks. And it's scalable and cheap because mm-hmm. you're harnessing what's already there. And also based on my experience in growing up in South Asia, where physicians were actually listening to you. But in the U.S., you go to a doctor's office and, you know, physicians, nurse, nurse managers, awesome human beings. But the way the systems are structured, they're mostly focused on documenting as opposed to listening. So if we could do the listening for them and help them practice the top of the license by harnessing the speech that already exists between the patient or the provider and the, and, and the user and being able to come up with and say, here's where you are for mental health and wellness then we would have created something novel using what's already there because healthcare moves really slowly. So we wanted to harness what's already there. And then we also wanted to solve a problem that that touches the entire globe. When you think about this, right? I mean, we're all busy and we don't take care of ourselves. There's something else is always more important. That's how we're designed to think. So if we can listen, if Ellipsis Health can help people listen and understand and say, by the way, here's what we are understanding, here are the things you can do, then we've helped quite a bit. What is something that's a key thing that we could just start doing as far as being able to listen to ourselves a little bit better? I think sharing our thoughts. So if you think about where do you have trust usually in, in your life? It's either with your partner or wife, your kids, parents, and your sort of physicians, your healthcare workers where you have a lot of trust. So the way we have looked at it is that if we can open up the dialogue between you and that family cohort or provider cohort, or if you're not there in person or virtually, but if you can create a journaling system where you can talk to and leave your journals and you can listen to it over time, that has, in our experience, what we've seen is that it creates a calming impact on you. And I think that's why you know, that conversation and sharing what you're going through is so critical. Well, you know, you're right. And we're even finding in COVID, you know, working with people like this in the virtual world to connect personally. How are you? Are you staying safe? What's your family? To start and end each conversation with that because we miss it so much. So I think even a simple thing like that can be helpful. And the stigma, the stigma of mental illness has always confounded me. Like parents who have something going on with them, say with their minds, kids get really upset. The adult children get really upset and almost mad. Because we don't understand it. And that was our first goal. I mean, for for us to, what is stigma? Which is basically lack of understanding. How do you create the level of understanding? So you level the playing field here. 
That's what's really happening, right? If you think about this, how do you create a level playing field so people can connect on that common understanding? Once you have the common understanding, you can create different new pathways of for care. And now that you have that understanding, you'll be more vested in the pathway because you get it. And the way I think about mental health, it's not a clinical problem. It's a human problem. You've gone away too long not addressing this issue. If you think about depression, anxiety, mental health and wellness issues have skyrocketed during this pandemic. If you are suffering from mental health problems, you're not alone. And we are there for you. And for us to be with people, helping them understand what it is and making them feel that we will be there every single step of the way is our mission. If you think about Ellipsis' vision also, it's not going to be just with depression and anxiety. If you think about speech has such weak signals, it's going to be depression, anxiety, PTSD, Alzheimer's, dementia. So one conversation will be able to get you all those data points and create new care pathways for you. Again, all of this will come back to understanding humans, people, and how you solve that problem, human problem. Now, a lot of people are listening out here that would love advice from somebody like you. They are considering trying something. What advice do you give them if they have that, either the yen or that sense of purpose? I think everyone is smart enough. So I usually shy away from giving advice. But for me, the principles that I run by, one of them is a little bit of good work and go a long way. So for me, the understanding was if I can find a hard problem that I'm really passionate about solving, then even if the odds are against me, I'm going to keep trying and try to solve it. So I would ask my other fellow human beings to be able to identify the same kind of problem they're passionate about and just going at it. I like a little bit of good work goes a long way. You're a founder as well, so you know what that, what that entails. I think that you identify a problem that you want to solve and you're all in. But keeping in mind that you are able to recruit an amazing team and believing that even if you make the small step every day, you are closer than you would have been if you didn't make that step. So I think that founders inherently believe in that. For them, I think challenge is how do you go from a founder to building a team and creating impact all of those, I think, need to happen. But at the core, I think founders are ruthless in solving that problem and unreasonable. You have to be unreasonable to solve a big problem. That was Maynul Modal, co-founder and CEO of Ellipsis Health. With machine learning and a few minutes of natural speech, they can create a real-time assessment of anxiety and depression. Ellipsis Health is committed to solving mental health care issues and scaling access for everyone. Next time on Think Like a Founder, I talk to Anne Murako, co-founding partner of Floodgate, a seed stage VC firm. They support founders who defy conventional wisdom, often before others believe in their idea. We talk about going with your gut, how you can't test for human potential, and how the journey is more valuable than the plan. Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt. Sound design by Mark Ream. Creative producer, Eli Shell. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan. 
Production coordination, Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena, Persiani Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Barra. This is Think Like a Founder.